This is a Rooster Teeth production. Warning, this episode contains subject matter that may be considered graphic. Listeners be advised. During the 1920s, more than 50 women factory workers died as a direct result of radium paint poisoning. Those women were known as the Radium Girls. Welcome to 30 Morbid Minutes. This is the podcast where we explore topics of a morbid, macabre, dark, and downright grisly nature. Sometimes topics like today's that might just make us a little bit upset. (laughs) Uh, I'm Elise Willems. And I'm Jessica Vasami. What would you do with the flying month remaining of life if the doctor told you that you were dying, that there was no escape, that though you might be going out about your affairs today as usual, nothing could be done to save you? Would these soft May days, the last May you might ever see, find you panic-struck and helpless with horror? Or would you greet each spring morning with courageous determination to make the most of what was left? These were the questions so poetically asked to readers of the Evening Star newspaper on May 13th, 1928. The headline read, Five Women Dying of Radium Poison. In 1927, all five of the women in this headline had been employed by the U.S. Radium Corporation as dial painters. Catherine Schaub was one of them. And on May 27, 1928, her face made the front page of the New York Daily News under the headline, Doomed to Die. Catherine painted watch dials, a sought-after job for poor working girls. It wasn't a hard job. She could chat with her friends on the clock and take some of the cool glow-in-the-dark paint home with her. Affixing the glowing numbers to the watch dial was a little bit of an art form. It helped if you licked the brush to a fine point after dipping it into the glowing paint. Lip, dip, paint, repeat. In addition to painting, Catherine was also responsible for mixing the -the glow-in-the-dark paint at her cubicle. Radium powder combined with water, it made for a pretty great nail polish. Yeah, and there are polishes now that have that kind of like effervescent glow to them. But uh, our understanding of radium was a bit different then, a lot different, at least how it was perceived by the public in general manufacturing. It was ubiquitous and included in so many products without a second thought. Think uh, think like arsenic in the Victorian mm-hmm. era. Yes. You know? Advertisements claimed radium could cure cancer, give girls a youthful glow, disguise graying hair, and even make your water healthier. But before long, Catherine started to feel what we know now to be symptoms of illness brought on by radium exposure. Her knees began hurting. Yes, they were constantly aching. Her jaw always sore. Then her teeth fell out. Catherine developed what was known as radium jaw. As radium decays, it releases gamma rays, which kill and mutate cells in the body. When ingested, it enters the bloodstream and accumulates in the bones. Catherine's coworker Grace Fryer said radium eats the bones as steadily and surely as fire burns wood. Catherine was dying from the inside out and there was no cure. The radium she licked from her paintbrushes was literally eating away at her. Nightmarish. Nightmarish. Yes. Um, so these five dial painters that we mentioned, they collectivized and they sued. And during this trial, Catherine Schaub collapsed in the courtroom, her brittle bones succumbing to the weight of her own body. A media frenzy followed, and from then on, the dial painters who suffered from bone splintering, cancer-causing radium exposure, were henceforth known as the Living Dead or the Radium Girls. Listening to us talk about the Radium Girls might have you wondering yourself, what would I do if I was slowly being poisoned by my employer? Well, most of us would probably quit. 
2023, I feel mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Um, but this all took place back when workers' rights weren't really a thing, when the very idea of OSHA would have gotten you laughed right out of the workhouse and onto the street. Yep. Um, and the dial painters of the 1920s were revolutionary and very, very counterculture in how they took on these big corporations and these big corporations specifically that were exploiting them for labor at the cost of their own health. Yeah. And we've covered this a little on the podcast before in the Victorian beauty standards episode specifically, mm-hmm. where we just talk about like the public didn't know about a lot of these new chemicals or substances and the the potential like deadly effects of them. Mm-hmm. And specifically like women were sold a lot of products to, to beautify themselves mm-hmm. And also, like, a lot of these things were kept secret from the public. So the the scientists knew, the corporations knew, and uh, people wanted to make a profit, profit over people. Yeah. And keep in mind, radium was a hot new technology in the early 20th century. By the early 1900s, radium was used to paint everything from belt buckles to watches to water pitchers. It had this luminescent quality that would turn ordinary objects into a glowing green silhouette. Marie Curie and her husband, Pierre Curie, discovered the substance only 20 years earlier in 1897 while researching an element called pitchblend from pitchblend Curie isolated an unknown radioactive substance. This unknown compound was called radium. Perry Curie wrote the name down in his notebook derived from the modern Latin word radius, ray, a nod to the element's ability to emit energy in the form of rays. On April 14th, 1898, the Curies crushed a 100-gram sample of pitch blend with a pestle and mortar looking for radiation. They had no idea that the tiny radium particles indiscernible to the human eye were actually sticking to their hands and faces. I would have loved to look at that under a microscope. Um, But yeah, the couple announced their discovery on December 26, 1898 to the French Academy of Sciences. And in 1903, they were awarded the Nobel Prize in Physics. Which, my gosh, I can't even imagine getting like such a claim for what mm-hmm. ultimately kills you. <laughs> Which is famous last words as maybe this podcast will, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Marie Curie won the Nobel Prize again in 1911, but she was hospitalized a month later with depression and kidney disease. Yeah, she had a habit of carrying test tubes filled with radium in her pockets, often remarking on the faint glow they gave off. By July 4th, 1934, she would be dead from aplastic anemia, the brittling of bone marrow, which was contracted from long-term exposure to radiation. Today, Marie Curie's body is actually sealed in a lead coffin because the radiation emitting from her corpse still remains deadly. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Scientists of the time were skeptical of the causation and effects of radiation. They concluded there was no possible way for Marie Curie to have died from exposure. Yeah, manufacturers didn't want to believe the radium was deadly after spending large amounts of money to mine it. So they told everybody it was fatal only if ingested. If ingested, so then why the hell was radium being widely distributed to consumers as medicine, tinctures, ointments? That's a that's a really that's good a question, question. Alicia. That's a great <laughs> question. Yeah, um, they made so much stuff out of it and sold it to people knowing that it was bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they said, don't ingest it. I'm like, I'm confused now. But yeah, in the 1920s, there was a product called Undark and it was advertised as radium luminous material, a furnished powder mixed with an adhesive. And the glow in the dark paste could be brushed onto any surface. Yeah, so you didn't need like a nightlight because you would just put some of this on your baseboards. There you go. Um, An ad read, the next time you fumble for a light switch, bark your shins on furniture, wonder vainly what time it is because of the dark. Remember, Undark. 
Wow, that's that's quite the ad read. Um, uh, yeah, undark, <laughs> not, not a sponsor. Uh, undark is not a sponsor of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> not a sponsor. No, no, no. Um, but undark it was sold by the Radium Luminous Material Corporation, later called the U.S. Radium Corporation, and one of the many industrial companies making glow in the dark flashlights, light switches, and watches. Yeah, real American patriots supported yeah. the radium movement. Okay. <laughs> U.S. Radium was the main supplier of glow-in-the-dark watches to the U.S. military during World War I. Companies like them and Radium Dial Studios profited and built their industries by targeting young women to come work in their factories. Here's an example job ad from 1922 read in a transatlantic accent by Jessica. <laughs> I'm going to try my best. Here we go. Okay. Attention. Requires the surfaces of several girls from studio work. Ideal location and surroundings. Unusually clean and attractive work. Good pay while learning. Apply at Radium Dial Studios. Oh my gosh, it's like listening to the original thing. <laughs> was it good? That's <laughs> great. I, I practiced. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they targeted women. Young girls and women's hands were small and dainty, perfect for the detailed craftsmanship needed for the glowing watch dials. An estimated 4,000 workers were hired by corporations in the U.S. and Canada to paint watch dials with radium. At U.S. Radium, each dial painter had her own little cubicle and was given radium powder, water, and a fine-tipped camel hairbrush to mix the glowing substance and apply it. And as we mentioned at the top of the episode, these brushes would lose shape after a few strokes. So the supervisors at U.S. Radium would be like, use your lips, your tongues, keep them sharp. Yeah, there we go again. Lip dip paint. The women were instructed to lick the radium because using a towel or rag would be a waste of materials. Cutting corners at the cost of people. I'm already mad. I've been I'm mad, so but mad. now I'm more mad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and these women can't stand up for themselves, no. right? Uh-uh. Though a couple did, and, and they are heroes. On average, dial painters completed almost 250 watches per day, which there are 12 numbers on a watch. Mm-hmm. Um, with every digit, the girls swallowed a little bit more radium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the pay rate for approximately 250 watch dials a day was about a penny and a half per dial. So approximately $3.75 a day or $58.89 in today's money. Mm-hmm. And these factories were everywhere. And people liked the work. It was clean and easy, except for one badass bee, May yeah. Keen. May Keen was hired at a radium factory in Waterbury, Connecticut in 1924. In interviews, she recalled that on her first day of work, she dipped the brush into her mouth as instructed. It was gritty and tastes like chemicals. May hated the way the radium paint tasted and refused to put the brush in her mouth. You go, girl. What a baddie. I know. Already (laughs) off the bat. Um, Probably why she didn't last long at the factory in Connecticut. And after only a few days, her boss asked her if she wanted to quit. Yeah, he couldn't tell she liked the work and offered to give her a pink slip. She was grateful and agreed. At the age of 107, May spoke about this time in her life, reflecting, I often wish I had met the man who let me go after to thank him because I would have been like the rest of them. And U.S. Radium knew all about the highly toxic effects of radium, by the way. But none of this information was filtered to their staff. Yep. The factory owners and scientists who were privileged with this information used tongs, masks, and lead screens, avoiding the exposure themselves. Um, A professor at the Harvard School of Health, Cecil Drinker, launched an investigation into health issues and radium. And in 1924, he published the Drinker Report. This report was kept hush because it detailed the working conditions in the radium plants as dangerous. Drinker noticed that U.S. radium's chief chemist, Dr. Edwin Lehman, had sores on his hands. And 
Consequently, Lehman was dead by 1925. And uh, the higher-ups continued to keep the consequences of radium from the workers, and these girls unknowingly continued to paint their teeth and fingernails with the deadly powder. Some would even use it as makeup to glam up and go dancing after their shifts, dusting their glowing clothes. So you might be wondering... How was this lie about the safety of radium in manufacturing eventually exposed? We'll talk about that right after a word from our sponsors. Hey, Jessica, I know this is an audio only podcast, but I am looking at you right now. How are you doing? Do you have a secret camera set up? (laughs) Not yet. I have a picture of you in my Aura digital photo frame. (gasps) And it is of us playing when we played Tetris together. And it's one of my most beloved memories. And uh, I, thanks to my aura frame, I'm looking at it right now. I love that. Uh, I love this frame so much. It is a digital photo frame where I can upload all of my photos to and they carousel through. And Jess, let me tell you, when friends come over and they see my frame and they see themselves in it, everybody gets really excited. Oh. My husband, James, and I both have access to it, so we upload pictures to it to surprise each other. Like, he'll take a cute photo of our dog, and then he'll upload it to there, and then I see it later, and I'm like, what? That's adorable. I I personally love mine, too, and their frames have, like, thoughtful designs, like, you know, stone-inspired textures, hand-speckled finishes, classic matting, and they've literally got a style for every decor. Yes, so great for sharing those vacation pics, family photos, perfect home Edition. All you need is to connect to your Wi-Fi, use the free Aura app to add unlimited pics and videos from anywhere in the world. Yeah, and they make great gifts. Like I I have mine currently and I'm like, should I should I also get one for my sister for her housewarming yes. gift? I, I might. Oh, yeah. Oh, it it would be such a good housewarming gift. Cause like you, you know, you move into a new place, you don't have stuff hung up, but you can have that aura frame and you can put pictures in it immediately. I that's that's what I love. Cause if you do give it as a gift, you can pre-load it with your favorite pics or just really embarrassing pictures that they can enjoy. <laughs> I have definitely added photos to it of James and I when we're like in costumes on productions and they're so goofy, like Monocle Man that you know, Jess, and then it it pops up and James is, you know, we're laughing at seeing them. Mother's Day is coming up. It's like the perfect gift for your mom to put photos of you and her in them. Right now, our listeners can take advantage of Aura's best-selling Carver frames at their lowest price yet this time of year at $149. Just go to AuraFrames.com. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. And listeners can use code 30MM to get free shipping at checkout. Don't miss out on the gift of a lifetime. Terms and conditions apply. 30 Morbid Minutes is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're all constantly growing and changing, so getting to know ourselves is truly a lifelong process. Yes, it can be hard to pinpoint what you want exactly out of life or even just understand why you might react the way you do to something. But going to therapy can really help us figure out those things and learn greater self-awareness and understanding of why we do some of the things that we do. Yes, we're talking having an impartial party to talk to and talk things out. And sometimes that's just easier. It is. And to also get some perspective. Yes. And if you're thinking of giving therapy a shot, BetterHelp is a great option. They'll connect you with a licensed therapist who can help you get to know your inner self and also maybe discover if you are a curly haired person like myself. You did recently. I did. BetterHelp is also entirely online and designed to be convenient. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire and they will match you with a licensed therapist and you can switch anytime for no additional cost. I have gone to therapy. I know Elise, you have gone to therapy. I, I went to therapy for about three years and I need to be honest, I need to keep going. Um, but it is the best thing that I have done for myself, for my family and even for my relationship with my partner. It is a great outlet for stress. If you have questions, if you feel like you're at a crossroads, having someone to talk to who is not in the day-to-day of your life can be very, very eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Right now, you can discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash 30mm today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash 30mm. Back to the show. So yeah, how did the evil, evil radium industry get exposed? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, for once, the dentists were the good guys. <laughs> Hell yeah, I hate going to the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, dentists. Calm down. My dentist is great. I have a couple of dentist friends, okay? Um, oh, do you get a discount? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not. Clearly because I'm very disparaging toward dentists. Um, but yes, it was the dentists who first realized something was amiss. Yeah. A ton of painters started exhibiting an extreme amount of dental pain, loose teeth, lesions, and ulcers. Yeah. And dentists were like, what was up? They were extracting all these diseased teeth from their radium patient's gums. And then they would notice the gum wouldn't heal after. Instead, the patient's jaw would become infected and these like gaping wounds would persist and black deadened skin. Yeah. This also, maybe this is because we just were talking about zombies, but like big infected gaping wounds, <laughs> black dead and oh. skinned. What? Yeah. You know, in our, like, in our last episode, we talked about zombies and they were like, yeah. this is effectively turning these women to zombies. What the, what the hell? Yeah. Many women developed anemia, suffering from bone fractures and necrosis of the jaw. Yes. And necrosis sounds like what it is. It's, it's your jaw literally dying. The tissue, your the tissue rots off your face and neck. I have TMJ and this is making my jaw like oh my twitch. Gosh, yes. I hate it. I get, <laughs> I get so much pain in my jaw and I'm like, oh, I know maybe the, I have a tight jaw. Maybe, maybe I take a little radium. I loosen it up a little bit. Maybe just a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. As early as 1924, at least 50 women who had worked at U.S. radium had been reported ill. And by the time a dozen had actually already died. Mm-hmm. Still, the people at the top, those sick fat cats, continued to <laughs> deny that anything was wrong. And at the urging of the radium companies, doctors even falsified the cause of deaths for the dial painters. Yeah, they used syphilis a lot. Like the symptoms were were similar, fever, swollen lymph nodes, sore throat, fatigue. Yeah, but it was also like a very intentional smear campaign by executives at, at these radium companies to like paint the affected workers who were predominantly women as untrustworthy and immoral, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Furious and dying. The dial painters had enough, rightfully so. The first factory worker to sue was uh, Marguerite Carlo. She was 23 years old when she sued U.S. radium. Dial painting was her first and only job. On February 5th, 1925, she filed the suit alongside her sister, Sarah Carlo Malafier, uh, and co-worker Hazel Cooser, who had been 16 years old when she got the job. Marguerite's sister, Sarah, 12 years her senior, began working at the plant at age 28. Sarah only stopped working there after Marguerite filed for lawsuit. Uh, she is known as the first dial painter to ever be tested for radium poisoning and the first to be autopsied. 
Hazel died first at the age of 25 on December 9th, 1924. Marguerite was next, dying December 26th, 1925. And Sarah died shortly after on June 18th, my birthday, 1925. So none of the girls would live to see the end of their court cases, unfortunately. And these just a few short years of this exposure resulted in their deaths. Yeah. In total, U.S. Radium ended up paying out $13,000 total for the deaths of these three girls. That's about $174,000 today. And this was all not widely reported at the time, but the lawsuit did change the practice of lip wetting at the Waterbury Clock Company. Yeah, man, I hope so. Yeah. The uh, the New York Daily News reported on Hazel's death actually years later in 1928. And a small excerpt at the bottom of the page read, employee of company dies in New York. Miss Hazel Cooser of Newark had died in New York, where she had gone to be treated by a dentist. She had extreme necrosis of the jawbone and anemia. Some germ of element had attacked the bone and tissues and gangrene had set in and she had wasted away. In an italicized warning, the article went on, but there were to be other bodies. And the article was talking about Grace Fryer, the next radium girl to sue. Her litigation alongside four other dying uh, dial painters would garner a ton of traction from the media. Mm -hmm. By 1925, she was showing the telltale health issues, decaying jaw, loss of teeth, anemia. Grace said, when I first found out what I had and learned it was incurable, I was horror stricken. I would look at people I knew and I would say to myself, well, I'll never see you again. It's just like so tragic. And like to get that kind of death sentence Mm -hmm. for like something that you didn't even know that you could have not been doing. It's Mm -hmm. it's like horrific. You could have been warned about when they did find out that it was causing Mm -hmm. um, people to die. Profits over people. Always. Never works. Um, Grace's Mm -hmm. little sister, Adelaide, was also a dial painter, but she was fired from the job because she talked too much. (laughs) Yeah, a family member remarked, I always thought that that was funny. The person who did the wrong thing ended up living to be an old lady. Mm -hmm. Grace came from a political family. Her father was a union rep and she was an enthusiastic suffragette. Ugh, which also makes me frustrated because it's like she had this job that clearly like exploited women, but she was also someone like pushing for rights. Yeah. Yeah. It was no surprise that in 1927, she became a driving force behind the lawsuit filed against U.S. Radium. Four more U.S. radium factory workers signed on to the lawsuit are girl Catherine Schwab, Edna Hussman, Quinta Magia, and Albina Magia. They became known as the five radium girls. Quinta, whose sisters Irma and Molly also worked at U.S. radium, said, My sisters and I were attracted by the offer of good pay for a fast worker and said they felt lucky to find work in the same place. Amelia, Molly, Maggia, was a really good dial painter, celebrated for pushing more than 250 watch dials a day, but her success ultimately caused her to ingest larger quantities of radium. She was the first U.S. radium dial painter to die nearly three years uh, before Marguerite, Hazel, and Sarah met their ends. Yeah, she had an infection that lasted for less than a year, started in her jaw. Yeah, her dentist said... I removed her jawbone, not by an operation, but merely by putting my fingers in her mouth and lifting it Uh, out. Yes. He explained how instead of stopping the necrosis, the bone removal seemed to ramp uh, up. I know. I know. It's I'm twinging. (laughs) Like just horrifying. Yeah. Um, Before long, the radiant poisoning had spread to her throat and ate away at her jugular vein. On September 12th, 1922, Molly died to quote her sister Quinta, a painful and terrible death. (laughs) It's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, a, a picture of Molly's dislocated, disintegrated uh, jaw ran in the American Weekly. Mm-hmm. If I, hate, I hate that yeah. though. I hate that they had, like show that. I don't know. That makes. I mean, me I guess they were it, you're creating an, an awareness, and they're like calling this out. But I, yeah, that's yeah, it's it's horrible that the I lasting memory bad. of this person, is, you know, exactly is. If dial painters didn't die from the same jaw erosion that killed Molly, then they most likely died from sarcoma. Sarcomas are these huge cancerous bone tumors that grow on the body. Dial painters' knees, necks, and joints would balloon into cancerous masses, eating them from the inside. And it took nearly two years for the five radium girls to find representation. No lawyer wanted to take on the case because the statute of limitations created complications. Yeah, and let's face it, usually when the little guy takes on the corporate world, it's not a fair fight. Uh -uh. Thankfully, though, in 1927, Raymond Berry agreed to represent the women. The radium girls sued U.S. radium for $250,000 each. Remember, that's what they... They started out suing a um, quarter of a million. Their first appearance in court was in January 1928. By the time the court dates arrived, two of the women were bedridden and not one of them was strong enough to raise their arms um, to take an oath. Following the radium girl's testimony, the U.S. radium was granted an adjournment until September of 1928. People were not happy, and this created a huge media backlash. On the night of May 13th, 1928, people nationwide were reading the Evening Star article about the struggles of Catherine Schwab and Grace Fryer. Cut to fall, November 1928, the very inventor of radium watch paint, Dr. Sabin Arnold von Schocki, became the 16th known victim to die from radiation exposure. This only served to bolster the workers' case. Sick and exhausted, the dying New Jersey women decided to settle out of court. The next day, the Evening Star put out a report. It appeared that one or all of the girls would be dead before they received any measure of compensation for their frightful and incurable injuries. The public was outraged that these beautiful young girls were using their last dying breath to defend themselves against their employers. The news spread like wildfire. Dial painters across the country were united. Meanwhile, the dial companies, including those under the arm of the U.S. government, banded with U.S. radium, rejecting the claim that the affected workers were suffering from radium uh, exposure. These companies had invested interest in keeping the dark truth about radium hush-hush. After all, radium was being used on the front lines of war for x-rays and glow-in-the-dark military equipment. So companies had on-staff doctors bend the truth for the bosses and lied to patients. Yep, Grace Fryer, who we mentioned earlier, she was lied to by a quote-unquote so-called company doctor and his colleague who both examined her and gave her a clean bill of health. The anchor. Grace later found out that the doctor was a toxicologist hired by U.S. Radium, and his colleague had no medical training either. He was the vice president of U.S. Radium. For a while, doctors, dentists, researchers complied with the requests of the radium companies to not release data. One victim of this withholding was Margaret Peg Looney. Peg has one of uh, more of the tragic stories. She worked at Radium Dial in Ottawa, Illinois. Uh, Hers is like super sad. Uh, She was only 17 when she began working there at Radium Dial, which broke the company's own rules. But apparently some girls as young as 11 were working at Radium Dial. Because she was paid by the dial, Peg would sometimes take her work home, exposing her nine siblings to the radiated paint. And she sounds like she was a really, really sweet girl. She was prone to giggling fits, loved her family, had a dream of becoming a schoolteacher. She had just gotten engaged to her fiancé when she started to exhibit symptoms. Her jaw was sore and she had lost a few teeth. Extreme weight loss followed and Peg became so weak that her fiancé would often pull her around town in a little red wagon. It's uh, just so... 
bleak. By 1925, a number of workers at Radium Dial started to get sick. They demanded compensation for their medical bills only to be denied. Eventually, Radium Dial paid for Peg to get a health screening by the company doctor. She never got any of these results, though, and uh, assumed she was healthy. She continued to show up for work every day. When news of the New Jersey lawsuits made their way to Ottawa, she put two and two together. Mm -hmm. And her health issues stemmed from the same poisoning that had caused the death of those workers. Radium Dial assured Peg, though, that their paint was different and safe. Spoiler, it wasn't. And Peg caped working. As her jaw disintegrated and her legs gave out, she was working at Radium Dial on August 6th, 1928, when she collapsed. Yeah, she was rushed to the hospital. Radium Dial doctors would not let any friends or family visit, and she died one week later alone. Then, for years after Peg's death, the bastards at Radium Dial, they were bastards. Yeah, let's just call it <laughs> um, what it is. Insisted Peg's death was caused by diphtheria and that the paint was safe, but more and more women got sick and died. Radium Dial claimed that the element mesothorium was the culprit at the New Jersey plants, not radium. Under their logic, the paint was safe because it only contained radium. Mm-hmm. Enter Illinois dial painter Catherine Wolf Donahue. Catherine was suffering from a grapefruit-sized tumor on her hip. Same stuff with her jaw and teeth. Donahue, alongside her cohorts, submitted the first lawsuit against Radium Dial to the Illinois Industrial Commission, which we'll refer to as the IIC, going forward. She collapsed during her hearing in 1937 and famously provided testimony from her deathbed. On March 4th, 1938, a Maryland newspaper reported, Here case of dying woman with a photo of the lethargic Catherine. By the time the charges were brought, Radium Dial was already closed and relocated to New York under a different name. Nonetheless, the company fought back hard, claiming they did not withhold information from the workers. Radium Dial argued that radium in the luminous paint was present in infinitely small quantities and that the girls had been warned not to put the paint brushes in their mouths. Which we know is a big effing lie. It's uh, a lie. Yeah. The IIC ruled in favor of the women in 1938. Radium appealed again. And again, the IIC ruled in favor of the women. Radium Dial appealed eight times, bringing the cases against them all the way to the Supreme Court. By then, people were pretty sick of radium corporations trying to throw their workers under the bus. Yes. On October 23rd, 1939, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to hear the final appeal. The Illinois Radium Girls won. The case had been won eight times before Radium Dial was forced to pay up. Yeah, thank God. The settlements for each of the radium girls was 10600 per year paid out in $12 week increments. Today, that is about 9500 a year and about 2200 a week. A lot of women would never see this money. Most of the radium girls died during their trials and many other dial painters just never sued. Mm-hmm. And in order to cope with their impending deaths, dial workers built this like little culture around themselves. They called themselves the living dead, even made a group called the Society of the Living Dead to support each other in their final days. It's like women supporting women Mm -hmm. in the face of a society that uses them and lets them down, but they're Mm -hmm. still supporting each other. It's like, yeah, it's incredible. Depression fest this episode has been. (laughs) (laughs) A depression fest. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, you know, that whole like, we learned um, I learned from this, the story yeah. of the radium girls had a major impact on the future occupational safety and health standards for workers. The cases remain a significant part of labor history of the United States, as it should. Yep. But wild to think about, though, radium dial painting would not be banned until 1947. 
Yeah, way too long after all the stuff was going on. Yeah. But by then, death had already come and, come and gone for the Radium Girls, and including the famous five U.S. Radium Girls, Quinta, Catherine, Grace, Edna, and Benna. Benna uh, lived until the age of 51, but her life was plagued by the disease. Yeah, I have to imagine, she, though she lived longer, it was not a healthy life, necessarily happy, but... I know. Yeah. A statue in tribute of the Radium Girl stands in Ottawa, Illinois, though. And, you know, community members put a red scarf around her every winter to keep her warm, Mm. which is very nice. And heartbreaking, yeah. Radium had a half-life of 1,600 years. The corroded honeycomb bones of the Radium Girls are still glowing to this day, like Marie Curie. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, this this was kind of a downer of the episode. I think an important thing to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Something we do a lot on the show is we kind of go back and we re-examine how history tried to gloss over things or put down certain groups or kind of like, um, you know, exploit certain groups. And I think it's it's valuable to look back at that stuff. Mm-hmm. And hopefully learn from it. I feel like some things we have definitely learned. Others, not so much, but hopefully we'll get better. Mm-hmm. Now, what am I going to do with this watch I got you for your birthday? Did you make it yourself? I did. You I spent did hours and Were a lot you looking? of saliva. Oh God. God <laughs> but I did use radium. Would you use that's, that's the kicker. I've just been been licking. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. a smartwatch. Um, oh, okay. Great. Um but what's yeah. in those uh glow in the dark stars I had when I was a kid? Oh, on your ceiling. <laughs> yeah. What's in yeah. those? Yeah, and gosh, the thing is, like I imagined with the discovery of radium, the possibilities this opened before they knew like society knew it was toxic. It must have been just just boundless, right? Absolutely. Like yeah. that undark material thing where they were they just oh paint it on this, make it glow. Yeah. Like yeah. must have thought it was such a cool substance. There's always a catch. When you find something really cool. There's always something yeah. not cool about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that was a little bit of a downer episode. Not every episode is like this. Yeah. Yeah. But if you go back and listen to our backlog, you'll see that we have lots of evergreen topics that we cover. And you can follow us on social media at Jessica Vasami, at Elise Willems, at 30 Morbid Minutes. And if you like the show, we have some really, really awesome merch at the uh, Rooster Teeth store. We just dropped some merch the other day on International Women's Day. We got a hoodie, a shirt, an enamel pin. Go check it out. Well, Jessica, I'm glad that we are not radiating girls. We are radiating. We are girls. radiating in a in a different way. In a non-toxic way. Um, yeah. So um, well, until next time. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>